Alright people, welcome to Primal Alchemy's Red Pill Initiation Hour, here with your host, Chris Story. So for all the recurring listeners out there, you know the drill by now. There's a few things we have to touch base on before we can get shit up and rolling and kick today's episode off. So the first is a massive thank you. A massive thank you to you guys for the continuous love and support that you're showing me at the end of every podcast that you listen to. That's two podcasts a week, every week. And your feedback is critical and crucial for me in the development of this podcast as a whole. So please drop me a review on iTunes, on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts. It's on Spotify, but you obviously can't communicate via Spotify. So if you're listening to it on that, then please jump over to Instagram afterwards at Primal Alchemy UK and just drop me some uh, drop me some thoughts. It really does mean the world to me. And as a big thank you, I give you guys 10%. That's an exclusive 10% discount code of Red Pill. That's the code Red Pill. That when used at checkout, you'll get the 10% discount of anything in the shopping basket at the time at primalalchemy.co.uk. So if this is the first time that you are being aware of the Primal Alchemy brand, then check the website out, guys. We've got quite a lot to offer. We've got our flagship Retruvian Protein, which is an organic whey protein superfood blend forged with adaptogenic herbs, nootropic herbs, prebiotic herbs, and the world's most powerful high vibrational superfoods, all mixed into one formula with a delicious Criolla cacao taste. Really is really is amazing, guys. I love it. If you're into the ketogenic diet, mix it with a little bit of coconut milk, a little bit of pine pollen, and you're on your way to getting keto energized as fuck. So yeah, check it out. Other products we have is our Ancestral Potential Coaching Protocol Plans. So with the Ancestral Potential Coaching, we break it down into our Demigod Fitness, which is our one-to-one exercise plan. We have our Quantum Fuel Nutrition Plan, which is, as it says in the title, one-to-one nutrition consultancy. And we also have our Enlightened Biohacking one-to-one tutoring. So this is where you get to work with me, says in the name, one-to-one, where I'll teach you all about my my theories, my protocols, my practices of unifying ancient ancestral wisdom with today's leading cutting edge biohacking sciences in order to really create a next level um, program for just making you optimize as fuck, guys. Quite simply put, to put you on the next level physically, mentally, and spiritually. So if that's something that interests you, check out primalalchemy.co.uk. So moving on to today's episode, a uh, really good one as per usual. Um, I try not to make these episodes disappoint, guys. I really do try to bring on the cream of the crop, and we really have got the uh, quite the king of biohacking world on today. We've got Mr. Martin Kremer. Martin's the founder of Biohacker Copenhagen. He's co-founder of the Biohacker Center Denmark. And he's one of those high-performing individuals who works very high up within the uh, within the business world. And it was interesting to talk to him. It's uh, a lot of the guests that I normally have on are self-employed. They are entrepreneurs in within their own little subsects of their own sectors that they work in. Whereas Martin is one of those that is a high-performing individual for a high-performing corporation. And he's responsible for a lot of shit. So it's interesting getting his perspective on life, on physical, 
mental, spiritual optimization. And what he does to perform at his best in a high performing job with a lot of stress associated and attached to it. So we talk about a lot of things such as Martin's morning ritual, why it's important to have a morning ritual. We talk about our favorite biohacks, some of Martin's best traveling biohacks in order to combat the uh, the negative adverse effects of jet lag, which Martin has grown accustomed to over his years of traveling from city to city to country to country, continent to continent. So he is the man with the wisdom when it comes to uh, solving these sort of issues. And overall, just shooting the shit with Martin because he's a great guy and I've had the pleasure to meet him personally. We were introduced at the biohacking meetup in London where I really am meeting a lot of interesting folk and really am starting to make some contacts with some cool people to bring on the show and just to have a good chat with in general. So Martin is one of these people and I know that you're going to appreciate him because he gets my green tick. He's verified on my account. So yeah, hopefully you enjoy this one, guys. Let's get it underway. Shoot the shit. Episode 27. Morpheus. Tell these fools what's up. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. As above so below what lies without resides within time for growth to begin mental physical and spiritual we find balance with all three as we focus on totality the whole not the half this is for those on a spiritual path looking for the clues to the answers of life but the truth ain't always nice so leave your ego at the door let your inner lion roar and your spirit soar as we go deep down to the molecular level tap into the body with some yogic breath throw in some calisthenics for a true strength test like the shamans of old we use the nature to heal with a little bit of dmt to reveal this whole life journey is a little surreal and your mind needs a leader not a follower in life let your mind be the master and you pay a hefty price this next 60 minutes is about self mastery it's not an easy path and it's a lifelong journey but we up to empower with this red pill initiation hour with this red pill initiation hour brought to you by Prima Okami The Matrix is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth and three two one and sweet Odin, we are live, guys. We're back with episode 27 of Prime Alchemy's Red Pill Initiation Hour. Guys, we're in for a good episode today. We've got an interesting character on, great guest, uh, someone who I met a few months ago, very briefly, at a biohacking meetup in London. And it turns out this guy's the real deal. Uh, the more I got to know him and a little bit about his background, I was like, ooh, kind of talking to a little bit of a demigod walking around here. I just didn't know it. So, uh, yeah, this one really is a treat for you guys. We're going to cover some pretty interesting topics, a little bit different from our normal guests' uh, interests, but this is what we need to, uh, this is what I feel like we need to cover, especially for bringing in a little bit of a new audience as well from the uh, from the business world and high, like high-performance strategies in order to increase yeah, your cog- like cognitive enhancement, just overall, just putting you in the zone to be able to perform at your best every day. And uh, yeah, so 
Today, we've got Mr. Martin Kremer on, the great Dane of the father of biohacking over in Denmark. And yeah, he's, uh, he's been, he's been wearing the golden cape over there and pushing the movement and it's picking up quite a, uh, quite the numbers now. So it's an honor to have him on. Martin, thanks for coming on, dude. Thanks, Chris. A pleasure to be here. And I'm honored by your introduction there. I hope I'll live up to your, um, expectations. So. Uh, no problem, man. I know you will. We've, uh, me and you have had a little bit of a talk before. We've gone back and forth on the phone a few times, and we're definitely, uh, we're definitely making some magic on this one. So, Martin, like, yeah, just to start things off, if you, for people that are not familiar with yourself, and yeah, like who you are, what's your background, like where are you at today? How did you get introduced into sort of seeking optimal performance within your life and workplace? Yeah, if you could just kind of uh, give us the rundown and yeah, I'm all ears, Martin. Cool. Well, I guess I'll, I'll start way back and just tell you a little bit about, you know, where I actually started my career and, and how I got into biohacking eventually. But, you know, I think the important thing to know about me is that I'm self-taught through, throughout uh, my entire career, mostly. I have done a little bit of education here and there um, and, you know, that that's obviously needed in in my game but i actually started delivering the mail in this company like in 2000 straight out of college uh and then i gradually moved from department to department and now i'm in the global headquarters working for a really awesome group that's almost like a SWAT team that's you know looking after a whole bunch of technology projects and trying to be innovative in terms of what we can do to move the needle on emerging technologies uh that's helping our company from the inside and out uh and and we are like you know roughly three hundred thousand almost people if you count all our interns as well so it's a huge company and i have a ton of fun there and you know my my journey through the last uh almost 18 and a half years with them has obviously been quite stressful and quite you know quite an endeavor uh, so i've always been busy and i've always been in, interested in you know just making sure that I was delivering my absolute best to my employer because I've, I'm off to believe that if you want to have a good work life, then you must put in, you know, a good amount of yourself to make sure that, you know, you're not just there to collect your paycheck, right? And then in that case, you shouldn't work for uh, in that job is, is my view. So as a little bit of a long-winded kind of intro to who I am, um, I am also you know, known to be the biohacker, as you mentioned, in Denmark. I'm kind of the guy who's been starting our community here in Denmark. And I've been trying out various techniques all the way back to like 2012. I think it's the first time I really started uh, dipping my toes in the biohacking world. And I guess we can talk a little bit about that too, if you want to. But I, I kind of started this on the back of a burnout, to be quite honest. So ironically enough, um, for all my love I have for my company, it also sometimes, you know, introduce a bit of stress that that needed to be managed. So, so yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's let's follow suit with that one then, Martin. It's like so. If we if you take us back to uh, the year of twenty twelve, you've got your so you've got a little bit of burnout. You've been uh, worked hard, and uh, yeah. So I'm guessing you must have tried uh, loads of different types of methodologies of trying to increase your energy. And I'm guessing it was hit or miss, trial and error. And then you started to come like biohacking wasn't even a term back then, was it? Like it was Dave Asprey that created the term. And when did Bulletproof uh, sort of come into 
the sort of the public eye it might have been around that time you know i think it was i mean the the 12 was certainly the the early days of of dave's work um and i actually that was how i got introduced to the term it was by a danish radio show that was down by the south by southwest conference in austin texas um and they interviewed dave for about five minutes and uh he introduced himself as the bulletproof executive and obviously i was like oh that sounds kind of like what i want to be so mm-hmm. I, I was like immediately jumping on google and thing you know finding out what this guy was all about and at the time he was like doing his second or third podcast or something which was uh interesting in itself um and at the same time i had a a good friend whose wife was really, really ill with some nasty cancer. And I was kind of thrown into trying to, to help them out and understand, you know, what the doctors uh, weren't seeing, quite honestly. Um, so there was a lot of kind of parallel threats in my life at that time, you know, burnout being one and, you know, this cancer thing with my friend being another one. And, you know, uh, circumstances that I heard about Dave Asprey just led me to really it's almost like a new world that opened to me that, hey, that the body is actually a system, as, as Barahack has called it, a system, right? So, you know, a system that can be hacked. If you understand one little process, there's a little knob you can turn. And if you turn that, something else happens. And then actually, if you try and understand more than just two or three knobs in the body you can turn on, then actually all of a sudden you can control some things, right? And that whole understanding was something that I slowly gained through obviously lots of podcasts. Um, my burnout story, though, just to give you that background was i was traveling a lot i was basically covering the entire world uh you know through the duration of almost like two years um so i was uh, on a lot of airplanes i was doing a lot of uh, fun partying with my colleagues around the world and one particular night i woke up in a hotel in in hong kong and i was just honestly you know tired from jet lag and obviously a little bit of drinking and too much good food and you know, I wasn't, I wasn't feeling great at all. Um, and I just looked myself in the mirror and I said, dude, it, it's time for you to really introduce some change here because now that you've heard about these cool things, you know, maybe you should take yourself serious because this is going to go wrong. So yeah, at the time I was, I've been on medication for an ulcer about a year and, um, I had, you know, severe eczema kind of, kind of skin, issues in my um uh, in my face and you know my scalp and it was just it was horrible i wasn't nearly as good looking as i feel i am <laughs> <laughs> so so that was um that was that and i started with the, the what i would call the classic bulletproof uh, approach so lots of butter in my coffee and i kind of switched around my entire diet scheme and you know uh started to be very picky with the types of of alcohol that I was drinking and starting to mind my liver a little bit more. And uh, obviously I had a lot of detoxing to do from dude. I was like, I was popping pills every day. I kid you not. It was like painkillers almost every day. And obviously that's not good. Yeah. So, yeah. but Hey, it was, um, you know, it was that and Red Bull and coffee and that was just the lifestyle. And I think it's, uh, it's only it's only fair for me to say here, although I'm sure some of my colleagues will listen to this podcast. I hope um, that you know it's it's part of the industry. When you're when you're consultant, when you're you know forced to work hard, there is a huge proportion of that world that is just all about work. It's all about you know um, living this lifestyle of being in hotels, you know, night after night after night, and you know you're hanging out with a whole bunch of good people, and you know it's just it's natural you know you're just in that culture and those who kind of step out of it 
you know, uh, in, unless there is good leadership support around doing so, it can be um, it can be really hard. Um, so luckily, I had really good leadership in my team, and when I started saying enough is enough, you know, I need to change this because you know, as a team, we're not going to sustain this momentum if we don't do something different. And I was kind of I saw myself as taking a little bit of a lead there, and some of my colleagues followed, but it, it's hard, as you know, right? Living it is is really not necessarily the easiest, especially when you talk about ketosis and, you know, the high fat diet, kind of socially, it it can be difficult for people to accept that you're not eating particular things in a Western diet where everything is is bread these days or pasta and, you know, it's just the the easy food, right? So, yeah, yeah. uh, it it really is a system that's in place that makes it very hard. It's, it makes it very hard to attune yourself to this lifestyle. And it is like a complete polar opposite. Like essentially you go from red balls to like, they're like these real sort of caffeinated stimulation, uh, yeah, caffeinated energy drinks for the stimulation. You've got pharmaceuticals and then like drugs that are involved as well. And then all of a sudden you're just like flipping the, uh, flipping everything on its head and you're going from like a high carb low fat diet which is the paradigm that not only the health industry industry pushes mm. the the medical industry the, the the performance-based industry everything is very um closely tied into that paradigm and then as soon as you uh that's why it's interesting how you really do have to give thanks to Dave Asprey like there was people before Dave that was that was talking about this like essentially all it is is an ancestral based diet Mm -hmm. but he was the one that was able to deliver it and package it in a way that made it appealable for people that would wouldn't normally find interest in even attempting to do a sort of life change like that and it really is a lifestyle change like you really do have to um flip the switch on it and be like you're all in you can't be like one foot in and one foot not if you're gonna do it in order to reap the rewards you have to have two feet in you gotta be uh you gotta be be prepared for the rocky transition phase as well yeah and you gotta feel your way through it right and and if you're if you're not being 100 percent on on that at least for a period of time then i you know it, i believe it's hard for you to really justify whether there is a move or not right and i I often coach people on that when obviously throughout the years as as i've gained a lot of success in my life on the back of of adopting this new lifestyle people come to me and i'm super thankful for that and i'm happy to help anybody basically mostly friends and colleagues obviously but i I always tell them you got to put in the work like you and i talked about in london right i mean you you got to put in some work to this because it's not there's not an easy solution to changing your lifestyle it's about habits and changing habits is really hard, but the reward is when you start to notice the difference in your body, right? And that's really, I, I consider myself now very tuned into my body. I, I, I'm really alert to any signals that it's giving me. I'm really alert to anything that I may react to that in a good or bad way, right? And I, I really pay attention and I remember things such that I can apply it to strategies over and over and over again. So, you know, um, it, it's funny that actually I was on a radio show in, in the national radio here in Denmark recently, uh, and this guy he asked me about you know whether I thought biohacking was really worth its its kind of superhuman narrative 
or whether most people were actually just moving from a suboptimal to an optimal level of living. And I, I find that interesting and fascinating. And certainly part of the story I want to tell with biohacking in Denmark is that, you know, most of us are actually going around in this suboptimal world where we don't even know it's suboptimal. We just think it's normal, right? Mm -hmm. Yet we yeah. don't really pay attention to our bodies. We don't pay attention to the little signals that it gives us all the time. We just kill it, right? We take a painkiller or we take another cup of coffee or a Red Bull to kind of balance out the, the imbalance, so to speak. And that's one strategy, but it's just not a very long-term strategy that, that I would like to adapt, especially when you look at the number of you know diseases that are flying around us these days, whether it's diabetes or Alzheimer's or you know even uh, chronic fatigue syndrome, which is something that the whole Crohn's world, right? And, and those kind of Hashimoto's. And there's so much, so many new terms that actually aren't that new, but they're just becoming massive. Like in Germany, for instance, Hashimoto's is one of the biggest problems, right? Like we, we barely talk about that in Denmark. We don't recognize it as a problem. And, and I think a lot of that is induced by our lifestyle, right? And I know you and I probably agree on that. So preaching to the choir here, but I think it, mm -hmm. the reason why we are not really tuned into it is because people have stopped listening to their bodies. That's, that's one of the things anyway. And, and the whole kind of going back to how to make this transition in life, I think it really starts with just taking yourself seriously, really. Yeah, and it's it's one of those where I really do feel there it's there's levels to this, and like you said, there are so many people that walk around in a suboptimal uh, mindset. It's they think that it's the norm, and they think, oh man, I, fuck, I'm a bit bit achy today, but yeah, you know, it is what it is, and it's like it doesn't have to be like that. It really doesn't, and I feel that yeah, the biohacking is one step towards something which i'm about which is going a few levels deeper which i'll come on to in just a second but it's um it's uh it's it's very intriguing it's very intriguing to me because it's like i think what the biohacking does well i should i'll take this back a step i think the way that western civilization is sort of conditioned is that we appreciate or we we only appreciate into like let's say intellectual um ability in terms of your sort of iq that's what we kind of judge as intelligence but there's so many other forms of intelligence there's emotional intelligence there's physical intelligence and your body when you know how to tap into it it has its own intelligence and i feel like what the biohacking does is that it combines the the sort of your intellect in terms of knowing the body, but then by doing so and working on that, you can tune into your body's innate intelligence. And when you tune into your body's innate intelligence, you're much more in tune with your intuition. And when you're in tune with your intuition, you things begin to piece together more easier, way more easy for you than it than they would do previously. Yeah. And it opens up a whole new world of possibilities for what you're capable of on a physical, mental and spiritual level. So kind of what I mean by that is like, for example, if you take someone, first of all, you've got to have an open mind. So you're open minded, you've got no preconceived ideas, no sort of ideologies that are stopping you from believing this is true and that is true, just literally a blank slate. So you start off with the biohacking and you're starting to optimize yourself on what you believe to be all levels 
But the way that I see it is just as I think I believe it was J.J. Thompson in the late 19th century discovered the electron, like the atom. So we started we went from our physical realm into the atomic realm. And then from there, once people had been once a generation or so had got used to that, we then went a little bit deeper with the likes of Max Planck and we went into the subatomic, into the quantum realm. Mm. And we started to see a completely different paradigm shift. And we were like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. There is way more to this than we could ever imagine. And this is the way that I see that biohacking is a step through the door into what I believe to be the next evolution, which is spirituality. And I won't sort of blabber on too much because people that are people that are kind of know me know that I can go pretty uh, woo-woo zero to a hundred very quickly when it comes to this stuff. But I feel like this is where biohacking is leading to. It develops that innate body intelligence within you where you suddenly become interested in, oh man, I want, okay, I want my brain to be switched on. I want to increase my neurotransmitter production. Mm. It's like, oh, okay, I want to keep track of my heart rate variability. Oh, okay. I want to increase my power output my vo2 max like all these little variables and then the deeper you go as long as you keep that open mind to what's possible you start going through the levels and then all of a sudden you hit this other side of the coin you go you kind of peek behind the veil and then when you peek behind the veil you're like oh shit here we go this is the uh this is the bread and butter on this one because this is this is the uh this is the control in hand behind the scenes that I did not know about. And yeah, that's where the magic happens. But uh, just to kind of take us back a few steps, uh, Martin, I'd be really kind of like interested just to know, like, obviously you were discussing how you first got into biohacking. And then when was like, when was the turning point for you? When was it where you were just like, when you were kind of hit with the realization as in like, I've got the power. It's like the power's in my hands on this one. And you were like 100% committed to the cause at that point. Well, I can tell you really precisely when that was. And and that was in the summer of 2013. Um, So it took me a a good long year actually to just kind of get to an understanding of, oh, there is this new world that I'm just learning about. As you just mentioned, you kind of go through the motions of, of, understanding and unraveling more and more and more and you kind of unpack an area that you didn't know about and and all of a sudden you go oh shit this this makes sense right mm-hmm. and i even with with my you know playing around with ketosis i was doing all the classic things wrong right and at that time there were no keto supplements there were no kind of you know even i don't even think that the mct oil i mean it was starting to be something they was you know selling obviously um and and i i attended some you know uh classes of his and so on and but anyway summer 2013 i was like ah okay now i know that this is the correct amount of fat for me this is exactly what i want you know i actually i did a whole bunch of blood tests which we can get back to so i kind of felt like i have my life in check here and kind of stepping out of the cloud i was walking around in and just you know really just seeing the blue sky above me, it makes it sound a little bit crazy, I know, but like the amount of energy that I got just like, you know, within the course of the week of, of tuning these things to a level that was suitable, kind of suited my body, I was like, wow. And I just remember that summer and then the time after that and probably, you know, 
still today, although uh, there are some, some changes constantly happening in my life. But, you know, at least for a good amount of time after that, I was just filled with energy, right, um, for probably two years. And, and it was quite phenomenal and, and, and notable, noticeable by my colleagues, for sure, that the amount of energy I showed up with in meetings, you know, jet lag went not away entirely, but surely was like not a problem for me anymore. And it became easier and easier for me to travel. And I was just able to pretty much fly around the world, get up in the morning, go into a meeting room and have no problem performing for like 10 hours and then, you know, get up in the following morning and do it again. And it was like that in my line of work, having those powers where you're not a slave of your environment, you're not a slave of your own uh, kind of old habits, but you are choosing deliberately habits that gives you back energy, right? Rather than just draining you throughout the week. That that was interesting, um, and it still is. Um, so yeah, as you can hear there, there's a story about it didn't go that well for that many years. But we can get into that, obviously. Uh, but I will say, it, it's it, today my life is filled with these strategies where I know exactly how to keep my energy levels, and I know exactly when I'm doing certain things that is draining my energy level, and I I do that some from time to time deliberately just because. I don't actually think it's the best thing to walk around like super optimized all the time. You do need to be level setting yourself a little bit and you do need to be, you know, not going extreme with things. You know, if you go extreme with anything, it, it can be bad, right? So dialing it back and allow yourself to live life and, and be part of a, a social setting, which may not have your views on the world, it, it to me is really important because, you know, Socially con- social connections is, is actually a very important part, part of, of life. I mean, you talk about spirituality, you talk about, you know, just appreciating the world around you. I mean, th- when you get into not having to deal with the little things like stomach ache or headaches or cramps or, you know, back pain, all those things that people have in their lives today, then you sort of suddenly have capacity to actually think broader. You have capacity to think more holistically around the world and, you know, you want you all of a sudden naturally start to get this, oh, I can help other people with this, which for me is the really fascinating bit here, right? And I know you've been through it as well, that like, you know, you just get to this understanding all of a sudden that the world is more than you, right? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And it's really interesting that point you just made then is that uh, I, I didn't appreciate it for a long time because I could never associate with it. Um, I've been pursuing this for a long time since I was like 15 I'm 25 now so it's 10 years of like literally just dedicating my life to this and I've lost that connection of knowing what it feels like like this might sound a little bit pretentious but fuck it it's the truth like I never I'm never ill so I don't know so when people are like, oh I've got a headache or oh I've got stomach ache it's like I can't relate to them like I, I can't even remember what that feels like but as of this week, I've been, I've been, I've started a week long fast of distilled water where I'm doing a, I'm doing like a, a four day distilled water, uh, water fast. And then I'm going to be doing a three day dry fast after it. So pretty extreme, very intense. And at the moment, it's like the distilled water is just stripping my body of what whatever there is that was hiding in the nooks and crannies in the crevices and i woke up this i woke up in the middle of the night and i was just like sweating loads and i just had like my head was heavy and i was just like oh fuck man i haven't felt like this for so long like what the fuck and it made me it made me kind of appreciate the the state 
of being that I'm normally in. And it's hard. It's hard that when you're in discomfort, it it really does take a lot of your attention. Like it's so to tell someone who's got a stomach ache or a headache and they're always kind of like off center is in like, yo, you got to be doing this. You got to be doing that. It's like I can see why it's it's kind of hard for people to begin with because their their focus, their concentration, their attention is solely on just the pain itself yeah. and the discomfort. And it's um, it was interesting because it made it put me I don't know if that was a lesson that I was presented with that I had to learn in order to be more sort of um compassionate to people that aren't at the level that I feel everyone should be at and yeah just just a little thing that you when you said then it just kind of like uh kind of like sparked off a little uh thought thought pattern in my head that yeah I I would go down it's 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 a powerful story and I you know I certainly can relate to that when you do certain experiments with yourselves as as we biohackers tend to do to just kind of explore more and learn more so we can share more right and that that you do come across that and i i'm I'm like you and I don't think it's it's um changes at all to say that i'm I'm rarely ill you know i recently I was on a trip here in the beginning of the year to New York and a lot of people were sick they had some kind of flu flying around in the states and you know uh, the week after. All of the colleagues I was with there, they they were ill. Unfortunately, they came down with the flu, and I was like, didn't even scratch me. Like I I was totally fine. And yeah. you know, all I did was my normal strategies of you know supplementations of vitamin C and curcumin, and I was mining my diet, and I was doing a little bit of exercise here and there, and I was you know mining my sleep. And obviously, my immune system is is well adapted to a whole bunch lot of things. But you know, if it was truly a new um, uh, you know, flu flying around. It was just kind of odd that hey, I don't, I, I don't ever get hit by those, and it's, uh, it's funny. And I, it brings me back to another point about, well, you often come across like you're like some kind of super person, and and maybe you are, right? I'm not saying that I'm a super person, but I'm saying I'm doing very little in my current life to sustain this style. It's become my habit to live mm-hmm. like this. Yeah. And I wish that more people would would embark on that journey. And and the point I want to make here is that often when I try and coach people, um, the biggest question that I try to get out of them is why do they need a change? Why do they want to change? Do they want to change at all? Do they at all realize that there is another part of this world that that is called more control over your biology, right? And I I came into this on the back of a burnout. Let's let's just be honest as we talked about it, right? Um, and I think it's really hard for people, unless they're young like you and have kind of, I'm not sure entirely what your background is into this. We can talk about that maybe, but I think a lot of people, when you get to my age, I'm 38, because you're so ingrained in life and your habits, it is really, really hard to change your way of life. You have a family to mind, you have a, you know, a work environment, you may have a mortgage, you have a whole bunch of things that's just like troubling you day in and day out or giving you energy, hopefully. But unless you hit some kind of brick wall, people have a really hard time kind of realizing that there is another way that could give them even more. It's like, it's fine. I'm fine where I am. I'll just pop a pill. And you go, well, that's fine, mate. But I actually want to hang out with you when I get to the age of 80. And you know, mm. even in, in my 70s, I want to go hike a mountain with you. That's how much I 
I love my friends and, and certainly my wife, right? That, you know, I want to grow old with people beyond the time when we have to work day in and day out and, and really just, you know, have a meaningful life. And I'm, you know, that's why I'm, I'm I wouldn't say I'm desperate, but I'm like, how can we engineer a situation where people realize that there is a better way? And that's kind of why I'm driving this whole biohacking movement here in Denmark. It's to try and tell the good stories. It's to try and tell if I can provide evidence with some of the members of our community, and we're like 600 some now in Denmark, like if I can teeth out some good stories that I can share with the Danish population, my mission is accomplished, right? Because there's so much holding back of the good stories. There's so much, oh, that's like, that's alternative medicine and that's kind of snake oil. I don't believe in that. And that's fine. But listen, everybody is an individual being and, you know, understanding that what I need to change in my life to reach a normal level, which will be perceived, perceived as, as super optimal, right? Um, you know, is very different from what you may to do. There are some core strategies that we can all talk about, but giving people these tools to work with has really has become my, my mission in, in life here. Yeah, I love that. I love that, Martin. It's starting at like grassroots and really working your way up. And one of the things that I think we should just touch base on and go from there. So just say, like you said, that you did your uh, radio interview and people are like, shit, I like this Martin character. I like what he's got to say. And they reach out to you through any means. And they're like, Martin, look, I'm in a bit, I'm a bit in a bit of a shithole, but I want to change. I'll do whatever it takes. Like what's the, what's the first steps for me that it's going to be realistic that I'm going to be able to integrate these sort of uh, practices or protocols into my life that you believe will be able to give me my, I guess like biggest bang for my buck, but then would just be able to show me that what you're saying is true. Like yeah. show to me, like prove to me that what you're saying is right. And then if it's right, then Hey, fuck it. I'm all in. I'm a hundred percent in. So what would you say if someone comes to you with that? Like what would be your protocols for people to start with? That's going to be able to make an impact, make a difference on this can be on a physical level, a mental level, an emotional level. Yeah. Like a complete, like holistic level, you could even say. Sure. I mean, it, this may sound a little bit weird, actually, but what I often recommend people is you got to take control of the part of your day that you can control, right? And and mm. often that's the morning time in uh, in most cases, right? And, I, and what I tell people is the first thing I want you to start doing is drink a huge, big-ass glass of water, preferably with a little bit of sea salt in it, every morning when you wake up. It, you won't believe how many people who just kind of roll out of bed, eat their cereal or not, or eat their croissant or maybe drink half a cup of coffee, but they never think about hydration. Even that little thing, your body is going to thank you, right? And after just a few days of doing so, people will notice a difference in their energy levels. That's a little trick, right? But it, it, it moves people's perception. I've learned that, well, actually, yeah, that was a little thing and it gave me something. Oh, is there more I can do? And then I start telling them about, well, we got to clean up your diet. Tell me about, you know, what is your eating pattern? And then most people, you know, they will go, oh, I have my morning croissant or my bun with cheese or whatever it may be. And they go, well, immediately right there. So when do you get hungry again? And then we just talk through the whole thing of, well, this is what happens to your blood sugar. And this is what happens when that goes down again and you're crashing and you got to eat some more. And then, you know, oh, no wonder you put on a few more kilos than you wanted to. 
Um, so I try to teach them about eating things that are obviously whole foods driven, like like real food, not just some processed stuff, um, to make sure they have you know good nutrition as well. But like taking control of their blood sugar is really the next thing I try and teach them. Then you can start moving into okay, maybe ketosis is something for you. Do you want to try that? And you know, since I've had lots of issues with kind of like cholesterol, uh, not that I believe that's a big problem, but like the knock-on effects of, of you know a couple of years with lots of butter in my coffee certainly is still you know physically within my body. And for that reason, I have started to recommend to people that they should do genetics testing as a very kind of simple way to get a little bit closer to understanding what's the unique diet that they should go for. There's a lot of great, you know, snips out there you can look at that will kind of give you good clues to should you be eating a lot of fat or not. And if you uh, are eating a lot of fat and prefer doing so, then at least, you know, don't go saturated, go this way. I mean, like me in my case, I I know I need a lot more, you know, monounsaturated fat than than most um, because of my risk of Alzheimer's and all that jazz so anyway, that's a whole other camel orange. Maybe we can talk about that another day. But like people, I think, are often just jumping on the bandwagon of, oh, low carb, high fat, it's great. And it is, right? But I'm more in for the long run. And I think if we can start to educate people around the fact that there are some tools now readily available for like 60 pounds or whatever it may be or less that can really give you profound info that you wouldn't go – find just from speaking to a doctor nor would you go find it if you go speak to the person who's you know talking all about that diet or that diet or that diet or whatever it may be so it's really about use the tools and techniques that are out there in this modern world to adjust your individual journey because everybody is individual and like just because high fat works for one person doesn't mean it works for another person yeah, I love that one. And I want to sort of just break down into segments, everything that you kind of mentioned then, and we can sort of branch off each one. So the first one that you said was the morning water with the sea salt. So this is like a two, two-way two question that I'm going to break this into. The first is with the water itself, have you got any specific type of water that you advise for people to take? Is there, do you, are you interested in, in water itself? It's a very mysterious substance that's very misunderstood. Yes, no, I, I am, but I know that uh, we can geek out for a long time on that. I will say I'm, I'm blessed with living in a country that's actually got proper water quality for the most part. Um, when I moved into the, the house we built here recently, I did check the water quality and it was, it was okay. So I am, you know, if people live in the center of Copenhagen, uh, I, I'm, you know, I do tell them that hey, there is some nasty stuff in that water, some chloride and stuff. Which, I mean, compared to what you guys have in London or even in the US, it's it's very very little, so it's not a real problem. Um, but I do say, you know, if you are up for it and you want to just really make sure you get proper hydration, go buy a really good, you know, mineral water from the Swiss Alps or whatever it may be, right? And yeah, you're gonna, you know, balance off the uh, uh, CO2, um, you know. <laughs> schema there and and but you know my whole philosophy on that is if you don't go crazy on it uh it it probably is worth you you know utilizing a little bit of extra co2 to get that bottle of mineral water from the swiss alps because you know what the society is saving potentially down the route of you know your health bill uh maybe you know balancing out in the grand scheme of things so you know little stories like that but yeah back to water um 
we're lucky we have good water here in Denmark, so it doesn't really matter that much. But yes, in other parts of the world, I would never drink the water on taps. Yeah, I think that's an important point to make. And I just want to cover a few things before I get you on to the next question, which is, guys, when it comes to water, what we believe water is, is completely not what it is. And what I mean by that is that water has, I'm going to use, I'm just going to put this in quote unquote, so you don't automatically throw me into the loony uh, category. It has mystical properties to it. Uh, water holds memory it holds it holds toxins in the tap water you got the fluoride you got the chlorine you got so much shit that's in it that affects us on a cellular level and on an energetic level on a subtle energetic level so what i always tell people is that if you're going to drink water there's levels to this you can go and get if you're out in the alps yeah go get your spring water that's what you need it holds the earth's natural vibration in the water but if you don't then the safest water you can drink is distilled water distilled water is where you completely neutralize the water so it's not got any sort of toxins any sort of contaminants the total dissolved solids are completely zero no deuterium they're nothing completely gone and then what that does then is that it strips the inorganic materials from your body. So that's going to strip your body of the heavy metal accumulation that's going to have been, uh, that's going to have taken its toll on you for a life of just drinking waters that's got a lot of dissolved solids in. And these dissolved, these total, these total dissolved solids begin to, uh, solidify and calcify a lot within your system. So it's essentially you're drinking rocks. Like when you're drinking normal water, you're drinking rocks. So just keep that in mind. And once you do distill it, you then have to re-energize it. You have to re-imprint it. So I restructure my water. So that without going too deep into this, the water that we're that we told that we have to drink is H2O. But the water that is optimal for our body is H3O2, which is a special type of water which is called exclusion zone water which is the fourth state of water so if anyone's interested in this you can look up jeffrey pollock or you can look at um victor schulberger there are two good sources of um checking out this fourth state of water and the effect that it has and yeah it's it's all about consuming water that holds a negative ionic charge so it holds electrons and the free electrons that it holds is what's going to be powering your cell, it's going to be powering your mitochondria, and that's what's going to give you optimal health. But uh, yeah, a bit of a tangent then, but the what I was trying to relate that back into, Martin, is what you said then by drinking a like a, like a pint of water, a glass of water in the morning, is what's your morning routine? So my morning routine is, uh, is pretty, um, let's call it regimented, although that may be a little bit negative, but... It, it is. I, you know, most mornings, I'll say nine out of 10 mornings, I get up uh, roughly an hour before my wife and I make sure that I do my routine such as drinking water. I take some of my supplements. Um, you know, I'm not super regimented with supplements uh, for good reasons, but I do have a few that I that I take most mornings, like my, my fish oil and stuff. Um and then I do a little bit of mindfulness practice. And honestly, um, that's probably an area where most people go, oh, that's just really time consuming. How do you have time to do that? 
well, some mornings, depending on time of year, to be honest, uh, if, if like right now it's pretty dark in the morning. So some days I'll go and, and actually just sit and meditate a little bit in front of my, um, my red light device here, uh, the near infrared device I have, or I will do the dishes. Now that may sound strange, but I've really learned that gathering your thoughts in the early part of the day makes your day so much better. It just kind of, it de-stresses your entire system when you're not just jumping straight into checking emails and Facebook and Instagram, whatever, as you get out of bed, right? And I'm really conscious about taking control of that moment when my brain starts to wake up that I don't want to bombard it with stresses because then you're just kind of setting yourself up for a different day. So again, that's just habits and um, they can be hard to to maintain. Uh, so that's why, you know, you do have to shift them out a little bit, I believe. And and that's just the way I, I rock, right? Um, some things I do do every, every morning, like coffee, black coffee, and that's about it. That pretty much ends my morning routine. So waking up, drinking water, supplements, a little bit of mindfulness, and then I do my coffee. And then usually uh, I start my day. So... What, um, just to break this down, oh shit, yeah, one more thing, guys, I messed up, it's not Jeffrey Pollock, it's Gerald Pollock, sorry Gerald, should have known that one, I was just, it just, it just, it just kind of popped up in my head then, so yeah, if you're interested in the easy water, Gerald Pollock's the guy, um, so yeah, with the, you said that you take like the supplements and the fish oil, can you break that down a little bit into what it is exactly you take, and with the fish oil, is there any specific brands, is there any specific ratio of, are we looking at D, like DHA to EPA? Like, what are we looking for? Yeah, so it, it's um, definitely, you know, a good quality. It's uh, the one I'm using and I've been using for uh, pretty much a year now. It's actually the one Ben Greenfield is is selling. It's called Living Fuels, I believe. Um, and so it's a combination of DHA and um, uh, EPA and vitamin D and E. So it's a good yes. blend. Good show. Yeah. So, so there is there is that. Uh, I used to take just krill oil because I know that that's known to be a stable source uh, of of the essential um, fatty acids that you need. There are not um, what's the word um, uh, oxidized, right? So uh, the vitamin E in in the blend from Ben Greenfield is obviously having a little bit of an antioxidant effect on on the fatty acids. I, I presume. So, so yeah, that's my primary thing that i do every morning that and vitamin c um so I, I do try and just help my immune system with enough vitamin c um and any particular form of vitamin c i go with the uh, natural stacks edition and to be honest um i think it is just a pretty clean uh, form i'm not quite sure which one it is to be honest uh, i just go with well i know there have been held out there in the early days anyway to be a, a a true natural source of, of uh, vitamins. Uh, so that's my that's my go-to brand, Natural Stacks. Yeah, that's fair. And with the, uh, so you said that you got the mindfulness as well. It's actually interesting that you said that you were doing like the dishes because I think people have a, a misconception on mindfulness and meditation in yeah. that you have to be sat down cross-legged with your eyes shut. Mm. But doing something like the dishes, hoovering, cleaning, some anything can be a form of meditation if you allow if you allow it to be Absolutely. and it takes yeah it takes a little bit of uh fine tuning to find that sort of flow state but you can um yeah you can get a pretty deep 
meditative experience from something as simple as yeah washing the dishes it's just that people are so easily distracted now their their attention spans just completely uh been obliterated in that there's so many thoughts entering the head and people don't understand people haven't got the ability to control their thoughts and their fault and in return of that their thoughts control them so it's very hard for them to enter these states of oneness in whatever the task is that they're doing and what was the other thing you said you did the red light yep yeah how 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 long did you say you do that for sorry so usually it's about like 15 minutes i sit in front of my uh, my light there um some days I, I will do it late in the day but i do try and get it in most days any particular brand that you've got it is the red light rising from yeah yes good I've got, uh, I've got brian on the podcast later today and brian oh, really? yeah for anyone who doesn't know brian is the co-owner of red light rising so it's an yeah. amazing chap yeah yeah he's so on good. quite a journey right now i believe um you know a good one. South Africa. yeah so right. no it's, it's a really great product and i think it, it's one of those little things where most people you know look at that and think that's kind of crazy woo woo stuff um and there is you know some will argue there's not a, not a lot of good evidence you know around it uh, and with that, I mean, like it truly, you know, significant sized trials uh, on on the effects of that. It's obviously, you know, probably still outstanding in in some eyes, right? But uh, that's where I go. Well, has it been proven harmful? No. Has it been proven effective? Does it give people energy? Is there a change in, for instance, skin quality and texture, and you know? reduction in, in certain you know skin inflammation type things absolutely evidence behind that is it at a clinical trial level maybe not yet that's just because nobody's decided to invest in that yet right but I'm, i mm-hmm. think that that's going to happen with the with the rise that these devices have gotten around the world it's certainly you know it's certainly going to be a matter of time before more evidence will come out that this is actually good so i go well you can laugh all you want but it gives me energy and um, I can't prove that it gives me energy other than, you know, I'm not crappy, although it's dark outside. So there you go. I'm energized. Yeah. To be honest with you, Martin, I think it's one of those that the we're in the early sciences of it at yeah. the moment in that we're just beginning to understand phototherapy. We're beginning to understand the effect of light and what light really is. We have this uh, misconception of light, the way that we kind of our conception of light is kind of wrong we think of light due to brightness and color but light itself is a fundamental real fundamental force of the universe and it powers us like this is what our cells run off like i said earlier with the electrons ourselves yeah our cells run off electrons and photons and photons are going to be the light particles or biophotons if you if we're going to be looking at the interaction on a um biological scale but um yeah i just want to give a give a shout out to so guys if you're listening to this if you're in the uk or europe check out red light rising for a little bit more information when it comes to red light therapy devices but if you're in the us listening to this then check out my buddy sean uh, weldman's company called emr and they produce a real high level i think it's like one of the most powerful red light um, devices in the world and check them out obviously it'd be hard if you're in the uk and you try and order from there because it's going to be a shit ton of um, shipping costs so yeah those two 
are my sort of what I would say, if anyone's listening and they're interested in the red light hype, give that a look into. And uh, yeah, so moving on from that then, Martin, um, something that I would like to cover with you Mm -hmm. is what's it like when you're in like, when you're up in, when you're performing in the higher echelons, the business world, like if anyone's listening to this that are, yeah, they're in, they're on the executive boards of fortune 500 companies. They're, they're working their way up. They want to, that's their vision. They're like, okay, this I'm, I'm listening to Martin here. I want to follow his path of how he optimized himself. So I can sort of perform at that level day in and day out. Like, what what what's it what would you say is doable for these characters because there's a lot of stuff in the biohacking world that it takes a lot of time like there are things that take a lot of time and you can't really do everything unless unless you have got the time unless you unless you're like self-employed and you can just spend your whole day biohacking which is a privilege don't get me wrong but there's plenty of people that are they're still doing still have a great career but at the end of the day they're still working for someone nine to five so that's a lot of the hours in the day which they can't necessarily be focused on just solely biohacking which is a trap that a lot of people fall into by the way which i've found is that if you're continuously just trying to biohack all the time it's like what are you biohacking for are you biohacking for the sake of biohacking or like the whole point of biohacking is to optimize yourself in order to live life to much fuller experience but some people are just like doing all of these crazy esoteric biohacks kind of myself really kind of just talking about myself <laughs> but uh yeah but then it's how does that transfer into a better life better life quality and just being able to perform better so if you can sort of break down what you believe would be the best biohacks for a a busy professional yeah we'll go from there Sure. There's a lot we can unpack here. I'll, I'll try and break it down a little bit and, and actually start with where you ended here, which is the why of life. I mean, that mm. is a big thing in this the world of, of optimization, I think. you know, And you're, you're quite right. You see a lot of people just really pushing, pushing, pushing to apply all sorts of techniques, just like desperate to get more energy. And they fail to realize that the biggest source of energy comes from within. It comes mm. from you believing in a cause. It comes from you fully in tune with your your life it's one of my other hot themes that i've learned the hard way as well that people often try and just listen to all the noise around them that's talking about work-life balance and you know you shouldn't just work you should have fun and so on and and quite honestly i struggled for years trying to find that balance because i was, was growing into this world of of kind of big corporates where you know i had to travel a lot and I had to say no to a whole bunch of things with friends and family, and it was sad, and I was I was really miserable. Um, and it was only when I embraced that, flipped this whole work life balance talk to work life integration. You know, be be honest with your employer about, hey, I have these things that I want to do outside of work, uh, and and find a good way to communicate with your your boss about that, and you know, you'll get to learn that actually they probably have the same ambition in life. And if you together try and strive for an integrated world where it's acceptable that sometimes you're just going to be, you know, 
focused on something else for a duration of time, but on the other hand, you're going to give more back to your employer because you're going to be more energized, right? So you won't be scrambling throughout the day because you know you got to book that thing with your nephews or whatever. You just just get to that level of conversation with your employer that finding the the integration within work and life is really the, the magical word here. Now, if you go back to the top, top, top layer of, of my world, you know, Another thing if you need to realize there is these guys obviously are checked in with their why, right? You don't get to a CEO position. You don't get to a you know board member position. You don't get to any leader position, at least not in my company, unless you are fully checked in with your why, right? So most of our leaders, they, they are regimented in their own way, and they know when to say no. They know that they're not controlled by – most of them anyway are not controlled by you know the, the flood of things that's going on around them. They have a mission and they're on that mission and they, they kind of drive towards it. And that, that in itself is giving a huge amount of energy. And you, you'll find a lot of executives that are you know, not necessarily the most healthy people, but they're truly awesome people and they have their own way of life. And I think that's, it's, it's important we respect that because we often try and stereotype high performers with certain body composition or certain, you know, um, you know, healthy style of living, or they have to do an Ironman, then they're like the best type of CEOs does Ironman. That's bullshit. The best, you know, high level and high functioning people in my world are people who live from a belief they have from within. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you being young as you are, and I, I, I do meet a lot of young people with my community as well. It's a very important thing, you know, to give to young people that, don't stress about being perfect on the outside. Find out how you become perfect from the inside and out because then it becomes a lot easier if you want to to adapt a physical world around you, your body and your environment and, and start tuning that and then you know magic may start to happen for you. So that's the first thing. It's, it's, the, it's the why. Yeah, I'm uh, totally on board with that as well. Like for me, I was fortunate I guess you could call it fortunate. I put a lot of work in as well, to be honest, but I was fortunate enough to find my purpose when I was about 22. And it's, for me, that's something that I really, it's it's a hard one because if you go from school to as soon as you finish school, all of a sudden you're thrown into a workplace or you go to university and then you're thrown into a workplace and next thing you know, you're married and you've got kids. It can be hard to find your purpose. And if you don't find your purpose, you haven't got your why. But if you've got your why, the hows are irrelevant. You'll find a way. The hows will the hows will like almost magically appear for you yeah. if if the why is important enough and it's all about yeah that inner standing it's that's that's one of the aspects of the um western civilization that we just don't that we're not really in tune with whereas over in the east they're much more in tune with the innerverse with understanding the 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 subtleness of yeah the the um the expressions of the inner self and how to read that, how to be in tune with it. And that's what I was saying with that earlier about these different forms of intelligence. And that's kind of like what the Primal Alchemy brand is about. Very sort of um, dumbed down in my explanation now, what I'm going to say is, is that 
once you start to quote unquote hack into your system and you start to develop this innate intelligence, become more in tune with your body, more in tune with yourself, then you also become more in tune with what your purpose is, what your interests are, what your passions are, what what's your skill set, like what's your talents. And from there, the the why begins to grow. And when the why begins to grow, you begin to magnetize the hows into your life. Well that's my that's how I feel about it anyway. No, I totally, totally agree with that. And I I think, you know, you you probably find strategies in, in your day where, you know, you are checking in with your why, right? And and you're amplifying your why. For instance, for me it's it's every time I go for a run, I've made it my habit to you just, you know, think like a crazy man about my why. I know what my why is, but I, I keep kind of repeating it to myself and I keep kind of strengthening my own belief in the fact that I'm on the right path and I keep kind of trying to to dampen the the critique that you know the inner critique little voice that we have in our heads most of us anyway i mean anyway so for finding ways to start with your why and and keep believing in that is absolutely you know powerful and, and you're right you know you you it's a journey right and and which brings me on to the other thing about like you asked about executives and then that layer of uh, big corporates you know what do they do and as I mentioned, a lot of them have their why in check, um, but a lot of them are also actually really. I, I I see it anyway from the outside that they have their strategies, right? They have their their own tools, and and the best of them are actually the ones that are that are saying no, right? They're pretty pretty tuned into the importance of saying no and really checking in with as a as a good friend of of ours I should say Tim Gray a phenomenal mm-hmm. guy from from the London biohacking world who's um, you know on a mission of his own um, you know him and I talked about this a while ago and and there's a good quote that he shared with me that that basically is asking yourself right does this uh, you know thing you're doing right now in life does it support the life that you're trying to create and i think that high performing individuals they probably do that subconsciously or consciously, constantly. They they ask themselves, well, is this checked in with my mission or not? And if it is not, you know, simply don't do it. Find a good way to get out of it or find a good way to say no to it. Because it, if, it, if it isn't, it it's probably going to drain you from, from energy levels. It is really hard to do. It's easy to say and it's easy to have a quote like that. But doing it is, is a journey of its own. And um, that's where I normally I try and think of life in general as a bank account as boring as that may sound but if you think of it as you're born with a certain amount of money on your bank account and as you go through life you you kind of uh, you take out more and more money from that bank account but there are strategies that can give you money back right and some people will probably at, at some point in life end up with a you know um with a certain amount of depth in their bank account and that's not good that's when life starts to really go bad but you know, thinking of it in a way where you you have a way to to keep that balance on your account uh, in a in a good shape. That's that's usually how I you know think of it. Yeah, I think that's a that's a good answer. And um, yeah, just digesting everything that you said, Martin, and it's um, it it does it does resonate with me as well. And uh, something that I want to sort of move on to, and we'll have this as our last little. Um, topic because this is something that i haven't covered before but i'd like to know because you can talk from direct experiences 
you briefly touched on it earlier on is that back in the day you did a lot of traveling what's your sort of biohacks for the the traveler the uh the professional that finds themselves in a new city <laughs> a few cities every week constantly traveling traveling constantly in different time zones their circadian clock's going to be out of whack they're going to be getting constant radiation from flights uh yeah like what sort of what sort of things have you implemented or did you implement into your life that you felt would that made a difference for uh for mitigating those sort of adverse effects found from heavy traveling Oh, that's a lot I can uh, can get into there. Um, I'll, I'll keep it at a high level, just in the interest of, of your time. I mean, the um, the most important thing, I think, is just accepting the fact that although most airlines mean well, the food that they serve you on flights are filled with um, a whole bunch of nasty stuff, MSG and the likes, to just enhance the flavors. Because when you're in the air, your, your taste buds are almost numb. Uh, for some reason that I'm not going to try and explain, but they are. Um, so therefore, and that's, I think it's actually, even before I started biohacking, I saw this TV show about, or not TV show, it's like a documentary about how that food is made and how the chefs are really trying to, you know, spice it up and all sorts of things. So a whole bunch of nasty chemicals are used in the production of airline food. And it doesn't matter whether it's, it's a business class, Emirates meal or whatever it may be, it's still the same. and stop eating that i find you know i have um uh, you know more control over my digestive systems i used to have a lot of issues with uh, constipation when i when i arrived i was you know i'm regularly in the us and when i got there i was like totally constipated for days and that then it itself is a drain on your energy levels being constipated as you know right mm -hmm. so so when i started not eating that food and really just fasting when I'm traveling. So usually what I'll do if, if my morning, if my flight is in the morning, I'll just not eat at all. Um, if it's, uh, you know, kind of into the day, I may have a big breakfast, uh, again, a solid meal of eggs and, you know, potentially some vegetables and so on. You know, nothing high carb for sure, because that's going to make me hungry later in the day. But a good solid meal that can kind of be sustained throughout the day so I can travel six, seven, eight, nine hours without having to worry about food and you know cravings. So that means when you arrive, my next strategy is always go find a good location, a supermarket like a Whole Foods in the US or you know wherever it may be in, in where you're at. Go find a place where you can buy some good stable foods that you can have with you the, for that week. So I buy a whole bunch of snack bars that I know like like for instance the Epic Bison Bar with bison meat that's high in fat and good good source of protein and I just kind of stack up on them and I you know sometimes I or actually not just sometimes but most uh, trips I carry my own little vegetable blend like powdered uh, vegetable blend that's you know easy to dissolve in water and drink so you get your vegetables should you not have that ability uh, in the location where you're at meaning you know not all places on earth have a good little salad bar where you can mix your own salad right i was in india last week it's very difficult there to get, get anything <laughs> but indian food which is mm -hmm. lovely um but anyway so when i arrive in a place if you know if it is and i have time i, I will go kind of um a little bit of grocery shopping to be honest to just have foods for for the rest of the week and then if i'm flying east Usually, I will just try and stay awake as long as I can. 
uh, and that means going to bed sometimes without having any you know food in my stomach is totally fine then i check in with myself in the morning whether or not i'm okay to go until lunch without food or i just want to have a meal there is a lot of studies on your first meal when you arrive is going to help you to to adjust your uh, circadian rhythm um, so that's certainly something i've learned as well that you can kind of check in with your circadian rhythm and try and balance it out with the first meal um, in the morning usually right so that's east if i go for instance like i was last week in india it's a little bit more tricky um, but it's kind of the same strategy there try and check in with the same meal uh, schedule as as you know is is needed in that environment so that's going to help you to check in with and adjust your circadian rhythm and other than that it is really just a matter of you know don't go crazy on foods you don't know uh, stick to a clean diet stick to a diet that you can trust um, so you avoid like drainage of energy levels during that week of, of working because that's when as soon as you get energy drained you go crazy and you panic and you go oh okay in that case i need this snack bar i need this or i need to eat more of that which i'll be honest sometimes it happens to me just because you know life throws your you know a curveball and you got to figure some things out but you know nine out of ten times I, I thrive throughout a week regardless of where i am just by minding the foods i eat and minding my sleep um so that's another whole thing we can unpack about how to sleep properly in a hotel you know basics are earplugs um making sure it's absolutely dark in hotel rooms where i live mm -hmm. here at home it's out in the countryside it's pitch black you know at night there are no lights flickering in my eyes there's no little led on the tv that's annoying me there's no fire alarm you know led that's blinking every five minutes and you know stuff like that this may sound crazy but you know sometimes i'll just wear a sleeping mask and other times i'll actually try and cover up those little led lamps just to again it's about your body is always on alert right we're we're born alert pretty much and little things like that that are not normal for you if you're normally sleeping in an environment that's not filled with artificial light if you'd all of a sudden for the duration of that week put yourself in a place where there's lots of lights that you're not used to it's a stress signal for your body whether you accept it or not whether you think it's a problem or not it's a stress signal and it will impact the sleep quality that you have so yeah, I can go on and on, but that they're like the basics anyway. Yeah, I think um, some of the things that I uh, I just wanted to add to the the traveling thing specifically, like what my sort of protocols are, is that if you're if you're like flying, it's the airlines themselves they like they cycle the air through the plane. Very, I think it's like every two three minutes or so and it can become very dry so you you begin to get very dehydrated so it's i would say that constantly keep yourself hydrated on the plane that's a good one Absolutely. um i would say to listen to it helps as well if you listen to like a binaural beat or keep something over your ears while you're while you're in altitude uh, binaural beats even if you listen to white noise you want to listen to schumann resonance something just to keep um just to kind of keep your brain synced to the earth's sort of uh natural frequency and when as soon as i land actually another thing as well is like you said it's just to add on with the like don't eat the meals i would just not eat altogether i would just do a prolonged fast mm. so depending on how far you're going i would just not eat and yeah put myself into a fasted state and as soon as i land 
I mean, realistically, what's of what's going to be uh, actually doable? Um, yeah, when you land, I would ground myself and get a little bit of natural sunlight yeah. uh, into your eye, just to sort of, just yeah, just to sort of tight like dial yourself into that environment um yeah into the environment and sort of just kind of calibrate your circadian clock to that environment i think that's important so yeah get a little bit of sunlight in your eyes you don't have to go full-on woo-woo like i do with the sun gazing uh you can do if you want be pretty beneficial for you but yeah to ground and also just to do a little bit of fitness it could be stretching um so obviously if you're sat if you're if you're like sat in a seated position for prolonged periods of time, if you're doing like a transatlantic flight, it's like everything begins to like, like we know everything begins to tighten up. So if you do a bit of stretching, like the myofascial sheath are around your muscles, they have semiconductive properties to them. So if you begin to move, because of the semiconductive piezoelectric properties, you begin to create energy through movement. So if you're connected to the earth via grounding and you just do some simple stretching, you begin to essentially create like a charge within the body just to give yourself a little bit of energy. So although it's, it's like you said, you get there and you're just drained as fuck and you're just like, shit, I just like, man, I just need to go grab something to eat and go to bed or something. You really want to kind of just get your body moving in order to get, that uh that energy production going around the body so that was something that i would add to that and yeah i know you've got plenty more but for time's sake uh martin we're we're tie this one in and the way that i always end the uh the podcast is that i always ask the guest that if there was one thing that you could integrate into your life be it physically mentally or spiritually what sort of practice would it be and why? And in terms of like, what do you feel would give you the best result for the action taken? Um, that's a good question. Um, I guess let me, while I'm thinking about that, let me just uh, respond quickly on the tra- travel strategies. I, I definitely agree with you there on, on movement as well as grounding. I, I tend to ground when I get home, not when I'm going outwards, but when I get back home, it's certainly my best strategy to just kind of, you know, wind down and, and get in check with everyday life. It's just going out bare feet on the grass and, and you know, sp- spend some proper time out there. Um, other strategies I apply while traveling is certainly hydration, but also just coffee. I always bring my own coffee. And that's again, back to mindfulness. I brew very carefully my own coffee in a hotel room every morning when I'm traveling. So anyway, a little bit of a, a hint there. Um, but back to your question, I will say, and again, this may not be the most obvious one for listeners that are, you know, just starting to learn about the world of biohacking that that believes that it's more about, you know, the, the physical world and like changing your diet and doing exercise in the right way, the most effective way. The most profound thing that I've learned through this journey since 2012, it's actually been something as simple as breathing and smiling. Because the energy that you get from putting a smile on your face, and this is, you know, lots of evidence behind that, deliberately forcing yourself to smile if you're in a, you know, bad situation or even just throughout the day, forcing yourself to smile is releasing a whole bunch of positive chemicals in your body that that is just going to make life so much more enjoyable. And if you combine that with a good breathing, you know, deep belly breathing, 
oh my God, you can get energy out of any situation. And you, you know, you're kind of de-stressing your body immediately when you do those things too, uh, those two things together. And, and that, I mean, anxiety in my line of work is a big thing. Some might even say that anxiety is what drives many people because they're so f- afraid of not performing, but just allowing yourself to actually relax and actually just be in the moment. It's profound. So that'd be my number one advice. All right, sound. That's uh, yeah, it's pretty sound advice, Martin. So, yeah, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for giving me some of your time to come on, and hopefully, everyone that's listened to this is really taken something out of it. And guys, yeah, it's it, I really enjoyed today's episode. We've um, we've kept the uh, the woo woo meter down a little bit, so a bit more digestible for you guys. But uh, I'm sure to turn that shit up to 11 very soon again so if you've enjoyed if this is the first time tuning into this into this podcast and you've liked what you've heard give my uh give my other episodes a go and see what you think i've covered quite a diverse range of subjects and yeah give it a go and if this is a regular occurrence for you then yeah guys hopefully you've enjoyed this one martin's been a star uh really did enjoy this and yeah thanks again martin for coming on just to uh just to finish up, mate, if there's, is there any way that if people have liked what they've heard, they can, they can follow you, they can see what you're up to. If you've got your Instagram handle, your Facebook, you've got like anything going where you, where people can keep up with what's happening in the life of Byron Kramer. Yeah, sure. Thanks, Chris. So a couple of things there. Um, if you're in Denmark, uh, check me out uh, on on Facebook. We have the Danish Biohacker Community Facebook group. It is growing. We have our meetup page, which is called the same. Um, you know, personally, find me on Instagram, uh, simply just Martin Kremer, one word, uh, or LinkedIn. I am probably going to start doing more posts on LinkedIn just to help my kind of network out there and um, and try and share some of the, the good stories that I have collected through the years. And then I just want to give a shout out to you, Chris, because I do think that first time I met you, I it didn't take me more than five minutes to realize you're an amazing individual. And um, I don't really care whether you consider some of the stuff or whether people around you consider some of your knowledge to be woo-woo. I, I look at you as a pioneer, dude. I really do. And I think, you know, Thanks, man. keep doing Thank what you. you do because you are generation that's going to drive the future of health i'm absolutely certain of. so keep doing it and um yeah i'll definitely listen into some of your older episodes i haven't done that yet but you are a legit guy and um and i think this this world of biohacking is a, it's a vast scale of of individuals right and and we're all different and that's a probably the biggest takeaway when you talk about biohacking is we're all individuals and we have to respect that and we have to accept that and it's all about helping each other then we will have a much better world yeah amen bro that's that's yeah thank you for your kind words martin that really does mean a lot and it's uh i thank you for recognizing the uh yeah those traits within me because this really is my life purpose and i've put a lot into this and it means a lot when people recognize it so yeah Thanks again, Martin. And guys, let's uh, let's close this one off. Episode 27 of the Repio Initiation Hour. Stay woke as fuck. And I'll catch you next time.